And we are on Hollywood Boulevard. Here we are, the time of COVID-19. We thank you guys for tuning in and hope you are all feeling okay during this very crazy time. Yes. During this time of self-quarantine, Karen and I get to keep catching up on on other things. So we have a whole cornucopia of culture uh, to talk about. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, hey, what have you been watching? A ton of stuff. Let me start with one that I have really almost surprisingly positive things to say about called The Other Two, which was a show I know it has been renewed, but it ran its first season about a year ago on Comedy Central. And it's created by two SNL co-head writers, um, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider. And it's about the two older siblings of a Justin Bieber-like teen phenom. Um, And they had they both live in Manhattan. The whole thing is filmed and set all over like New York. Um, and, and it's how these two siblings who have both tried in their own way to pierce showbiz react to their younger siblings, newfound, like super celebrity. Um, and they are played by Helena York and Drew Tarver. Uh, and it's actually a very charming show, mainly for two reasons. And the first one is I thought that, they would have this the brother would have already been a star for a long time by the time the show starts and no he's only just gotten really popular and he's not a dick like he's actually a really sweet guy the family is from ohio he's 13 or 14 years old um and and it's the older siblings are really trying to protect him so they're not they're not just they're not just snarky or resentful. Um, There's actually a very sweet connection between the three siblings. Um, And I guess the second thing is it actually makes a lot of non-obvious commentary about our culture, about, um, about the entertainment industry, about, you know, how Insta celebrity works nowadays about the way, um, you know, how, like sexually liberal we are with things like Tinder all nowadays um, without shoving it down your throat. Uh, it's actually very adroit and very funny. Oh, cool. So it was, that was a show where I genuinely looked forward to each of the next of the 10 episodes as we watched along. It is, I believe on Hulu now. Okay. Um, um, I may be wrong. We may have watched it on demand actually. I don't know where Comedy Central runs their shows. And you might be able to just find it on ComedyCentral.com. Okay. Um, but that's like a that's a huge recommendation. That's that's definitely two thumbs up. Um, and yeah, especially big props to Helena York, who I primarily know from some Broadway musical work. She's been in American Psycho, the musical, and um, Bullets Over Broadway, the musical, and Grand Hotel in a, a short run that that uh, City Center Encores did. She's great. Drew Tarver is great. Um, his character is gay. And there's a lot of very pointed commentary about gay culture in the modern era as well. Um, and I think they tow that line very nimbly. I, uh, I was very impressed. Cool. It sounds actually sounds really fun and interesting. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and funny. And the laughs are earned and don't feel... Um, like stale or like the the fruit hangs too low. So so thumbs up for the other two. Cool. Wow. 
Great. Something to, something to search for and add to my to-watch list. What else yeah, you got for I, us? I would, I would definitely put it there. Um, I will move to Netflix. Let me talk about um, The Stranger, which is based on a Harlan Coben book. And I don't know if you have read that or any. Oh, I know the one. I was watching the um, previews for this, and I want to. Um, I, I do want to see this one. It's pretty good. Uh, Richard Armitage is in it, and yes. I love him. Oh, he's great. And the camera loves him. No, he's fantastic. <laughs> the camera um, always loves him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this sounded really, really cool. Um, and, you know, and I didn't realize that it was based on a book, a uh, Harlan Tubman book, but I was like, yeah, yeah, sign me up when I figured all, figured, like, when I put it all together. Yeah, and I'm curious. It's this is set in a small London suburb, but I'm not sure the novel itself may have been set in the states. And I'd just be curious to see the difference. But the central premise is kind of cool. This strange woman, the stranger of the title, appears out of nowhere to tell Richard Armitage's character um, that she knows a secret about his wife, and that's what sends uh, sets the whole thing in motion um and he starts looking into is this thing the woman has told me about my wife actually true um and then the stranger appears and tells other secrets to other people who are all sort of connected by the secrets the people in the orbit keep in this town and it really kind of escalates at a pace there um the straits become direr uh there are some very interesting cliffhangers from episode to episode um and i was i was highly satisfied um i thought the acting was terrific stephen ray plays a supporting uh part and you know who else is in the show who Anthony Head, otherwise known as Anthony Stewart Head, uh, uh, Giles from Buffy fame. Buffy, yes, yes. So, so that was also a cool treat. That was a nice surprise. It's eight episodes on Netflix and they're like mostly 44, 45 minutes. That was, that was a good binge. Um, so now is this a British producer? Because it's so funny because his, Another one of Coben's books, uh, I think it's on Netflix, the, the safe. Um, and I think that was also set in, um, in, in Britain and it has, um, I'm sorry. That's Michael C. Hall is in safe, right? Yes, Michael C. Hall is in safe. Is it Michael C. Hall that's in safe? Wait, hold on. Using my, got to look this up. I think it is. Yes, it it is is Michael C. Hall. And he had a British accent in the, um, and I was like, I was like, he, he's not British, but, but basically he, he's not British. Um, but apparently this is set in, in Britain as well. So I'm just wondering if, if these are British producers that are, I think they are, but I don't think that this had an initial run on the BBC or ITV or anything. I think they are produced for Netflix. Interesting. And I might be wrong, but I just uh, don't know. Oh, and what's super interesting is Barnes Courtney, who I know as a musician, actually, what did he wrote? Oh, I'm sorry. He wrote a soundtrack. I, I mis- misread something. Sorry, oh, he's okay. not a sound. I was like, he he wrote and directed Safe, but no, he didn't. He was just it was just a soundtrack credit that I was got confused by. But um, 
but yeah, so I was just kind of like wondering if these were British, um, you know, British producers because they keep. Uh, my guess is, yeah. Setting these things in, in Britain. Oh, and you know who else is in it? Jennifer Saunders from Absolutely Fabulous. I do not want to forget that. No, don't forget that. Um, and I believe it's her first um, truly dramatic part. Was she good? She was good. Everyone in this is very good. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. This oh, was, this is good to have. I'm really excited to hear that because this was one where I was like, ooh, that looks really good and I really want to watch that. Yep. No, um, there, God, there are so many things that we pick to watch that um, we're kind of disappointed and we'll still like even see through to the end. But it's like, well, should we watch another episode now or let's wait? And this was when we were like, let's keep watching. Oh, can we watch this some more? That sort of thing. So, yeah. again, big recommendation. The Stranger. Oh, and Stephen Ray was in this, too. Yeah, I said that. Did you? I think I missed that name. Okay, sorry. Well, I hope I said that. I've been having some things where I, like, I don't remember things, and I think, am I going through early Alzheimer's? But, um... Yes, probably. Stephen Ray is in it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure you are. (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing? I don't remember anyone's name, but I can tell you what happened every season of Melrose Place. Yeah, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, how cool. So what else we got? Um, I just want to, I didn't touch on this before, so I just want to hit on The Sinner, which we just watched the third season on USA. Um, and I may have talked about it in the past. Each season, they don't quite stand alone, but there's a new, each season introduces a new main plot. And the the thread that ties them together is Bill Pullman as a detective. And it's each season has been a great vehicle for Bill Pullman, who I still think remains underrated. Um, I can't see him as a detective. I think he wears it quite easily, actually. Yeah? Like, yeah. I kind of feel like I was like, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can see him as a detective. Um, no, I think he's good. And he plays kind of like a, I mean, is there ever any other kind? A world-weary, beleaguered one. Um, but the first season, which Jessica Biel starred in and produced she still produces the subsequent ones um was probably the best written of the three the second one um which had some great actors including tracy letts and was actually about a child who may have killed his parents um wasn't quite as good but they gave more meat to the bill pullman character so this third season i think was a big misfire uh it stars matt bomer as a private high school teacher who whose college roommate resurfaces only to very quickly die in a car accident with matt bomer who is acting very suspiciously um and it's you know is he troubled is he capable of murder that sort of thing um didn't really care for the plotting here at all, but Bill Pullman was really great. Um, and if he was able, if anyone was able to lift any of it up off the ground, it was him. Uh, so I really wouldn't recommend chasing down this third season, but yeah. I would like to give Bill Pullman a shout out. Cause I truly think uh, he's an actor who continues to do no wrong and, and still remains undersung, Like I was saying. Okay. But, I mean, not terrible. It was eight episodes. So, you know, life goes on. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let me flip it over to you because I know that you have watched some things. I did. And I would love to talk about um, Netflix series. I, I guess it came out a little bit earlier this year. Of course, a little bit behind. But I finally watched Lock and Key. Um, and let me tell you, we were hooked. 
like we were so bummed out when it was over. It was good. Now this is based on a, um, a, a graphic novel by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, um, and wrote the novel Nosferatu, which has been turned into a TV show on AMC, you know, AMC, which we talked about, which I talked about, I guess maybe last year or yeah, so. it was about, it was about a year ago. It was about a year ago or so. So this is another one. Now, basically, the 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 bulk of this, uh, uh, there's this family. The dad was murdered. Um, they lived in Seattle. The dad was murdered. The mom moves them back to the dad's childhood home in Massachusetts, and it's this gigantic sort of Victorian slash Gothic house. Um, with, uh, lots of rooms and lots of creepy furniture and, um, she moves the family there so she can fix, I guess she wants to fix it up and, and sell it, uh, for a pretty penny. And, um, but while the kids are there, they discover all of these keys, these various magical keys that allow them to do certain things. And, um, and the discovery, um, of the keys also leads to, a discovery that they are somehow connected to the dad's murder back in Seattle. And, um, so it's so well done. And the, the three actors that play the kids, um, one of whom is, uh, Connor Jessup, who I saw, who I thought was a little bit old to be playing like a high school junior or senior, but he was still really good. And I knew him from, Falling Skies, which was a TV series. Oh, yeah. With Noah Wiley, yeah. Um, And I have to say, like, the acting, the kids in this are fantastic. Um, It is a really, really great show. It's twisty, it's churny, it's mind-bendy. You never see it kind of like... You don't really see it coming. Like my husband, like, you know, he's he, like, it's so hard to watch TV with him or movies because halfway through he'll just yell out, oh, I know what's going to happen. And he oh, like, my dad would do that. And he gives out the plot point, and you're just like, yeah. you just ruined it, and we can just shut it off now. And so he's trying to do this with this, and he can't because it was so twisty and turning. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, you know, I will admit I had a little bit of a hard time with Joe Hill um, in that, you know, there's this sort of, like, uncomfortable sort of, like, you know, nepotistic thing with who his dad is and his ability to get book deals and stuff like that. But, you know, apparently, and I do think that he is one of the lucky ones in that he already did have a foot in, you know, firmly in the well, door, yes, but of he has definite, I, I, I have to say I have become a fan after reading Nosferatu, seeing that show, although I'm not crazy about what AMC did in terms of that adaptation, it's still pretty good. Um, but you know, watching Lock and Key just kind of solidified this to me that he is a really wonderful storyteller, um, particularly of like the creepy variety. And I will also say this: he's not as gory as his dad. Um, no, no, his writing is definitely different. His yeah. writing, I feel like, is more a bit more fantasy inclusive than Stephen King's, which is really a lot of straight up horror. Right, where where King's influence is clearly from, you know, the sort of like B B horror movies and stuff like that. I don't necessarily know that his son has that, and he is definitely more fantastical. So when you think about things like uh, The Shining or, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sort of like the great stuff that his dad wrote with Misery 
or with uh what was the other one? Oh god the uh, stand dolores claiborne dolores claiborne, oh, dolores claiborne. Mm. you know those sort of like a little bit more moody a little bit you know like like that's kind of i think where joe's strengths lie as a writer which is not a that's bad right. thing because those were also i think some of um uh, uh, Stephen King's masterpieces, frankly, um, that didn't, you know, that didn't rely on the supernatural and just relied on being straight up creepy, uh, you know, and, and, and more like had more of a psychological horror bent to it. And so while this definitely had fantastical elements, lots of magic, um, these weird keys, um, all of that, I, it was still, you know, very much about grieving kids and, um, you know, grieving their dad and, uh, um, oh, you know, the wife grieving her husband, trying to keep the family together, um, and the kids, you know, teaming up and being, you know, having each other's backs. And so it was like this really great sort of, you know, family story too, that, t- that pushed a lot of buttons, um, in terms of, you know, emotions and stuff like that. So anyway, I thought it was really, really well done. And you had said you watched a few episodes of it. We've seen the first two and, okay. and we sort of liked it though. We found that the episodes to us, and this was the opposite experience we had with say the stranger. Each episode felt long. Like we didn't have that same compulsion from the end of one episode to the next to say like, Oh yeah, let's keep watching. Uh, we want to keep going though. I think we'll return to it. We are probably taking a short break for the time being. I still kind of want to see what else happens. I agree. I think that the, all the kids are great. I think those actors are great. Um, and I think the look of it, um, is also cool. Um, but I think we're going to come back to it. We didn't binge watch it. It was actually, you're right. They are kind of long episodes, but that was kind of the enjoyment for us where we would watch an episode and we would be like, do we want to watch the next one? And we'd be like, no, let's save it for tomorrow. So like, there was like this real sense of like, we want to do this sort of like, we want to watch these in like little bites instead of binges and, and really kind of savor it and enjoy it. And we seriously, I think it was 10 episodes. It was 10 nights. We didn't miss a night. Gotcha. Where we would like after dinner, sit down and be like, we were going to watch this. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. yeah I think we'll return to it. Super disappointed when we ran out of episodes. And, we and were like, this is, and it's, it's adapted from a standalone novel. Is there a chance this can become a oh, series? No, that this continues? is, this is uh, from a graphic novel. And I think that there were several, several oh, okay. um, books in this graphic novel series. And I think that Netflix, I, I read somewhere Netflix had unofficially committed to four. Uh, four seasons. Oh, great. So it will be coming back. And definitely this kind of ended like uh, not on a cliffhanger. It wrapped up the story, but it did open for it what's going to, there is going to be something that the, the kids are going to need to do next season. Like we've, oh, cool. we've seen what next season's mission is going to be. Got right. Got yeah. Oh, then, oh, well then there we go. There will be more. There will be more. And that is on Netflix. If I did not say. Um, yes. And, I can talk about more Netflix shows um, because we have finally finished all six seasons of BoJack Horseman. A lot of people talk about this and I've never seen it. I know, I know nothing about it to be honest with you. Um, so the, the creator, his name is Raphael Bob Waxberg. Um, and it is, about is basically set in a world where humans and animals and hybrids of the two like all coexist um 
and it's about it's a sort of like an animated dramedy. And so Bojack Horseman was a character who found fame as an early adult on this like full house like TV sitcom, but privately his life was like full of drinking and drugs and womanizing. And so we catch up to him a bit later in life. Um, and, and so there's a lot of like, uh, a very punny Hollywood satire going on. And then some more like existential issue wrangling, um, things like, uh, addiction and, um, uh, depression and, you know, like mistreatment among family members. There are, there's a me too type storyline, uh, nestled in there later in the run. I mean, there's a couple times where Bojack has a big obstacle and then falls off the wagon and then tries to, um, uh, not just go clean, but redeem himself. Um, and I think, the, first of all, the animation is terrific throughout and beautiful. I think this probably could have ended after three or four seasons. After a while, I thought we were just going around the track saying the same things a couple more times. But the voice acting is phenomenal. Will Arnett is Bojack. Um, Amy Sedaris is one of, of the other main voices. She's a cat who is his manager. Um who else can I single out? Allison Bree, Paul F. Tompkins, Aaron Paul, who plays sort of like a, a Cato Kalen-esque guy who crashes on Bojack's house for years. Um, and, and a lot of like guest voices, the way Frasier always used to have. It's a very, it's a very intricately structured and laden show. Um, and I know it's got to be one of the most critically acclaimed of all animated series. Um, but it did something which, despite all of, like, the nuanced humor, when it got issue-oriented, it got very back-patty and very overt. And so I'm like, well, you're losing the artistry here in the name of issues and appealing to things that are in the ether right now. And so, um, it, it didn't always sit well, and, and which is the opposite of what I was saying about the other two, which is the issues were always there. There was always subversion going on, but the plot and the characters always came first. And this time I thought the issues sometimes governed, um, the stories that were being told. Um, so, so yeah, I don't not recommend it, but I think if you've seen the first one to two seasons, you've actually kind of got enough of it. Got and it. I think, and I think I kind of speak for the minority in saying that, but I've never heard anyone explain to me what the show is doing in a way that focused on the artistry and not the issues. And that's actually true of a show that wasn't a spinoff. Um, but one of uh, the animators of Bojack did called Tuka and Birdie, which had one season on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, I haven't. And so that is about two birds, um, and they are voiced by Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong, the comedian, who actually has a few Netflix specials. Um, and Lisa Hanawalt is the name of the, the animator from Bojack who created this. And so it's about, they're, they're not two women, they're two female birds who are 30 and kind of, you know, uh, navigating their way through life. Um, uh, Tuka is a bird who is newly sober after dealing with alcohol issues and she's the one who is the more 
um, outgoing, um, with, and then Birdie is in a relationship with uh, a Robin named Speckle, voiced by Stephen Yun of Walking Dead. Um, and she's she has her own like issues with confidence and anxiety, um, and it's it's fun to watch. Again, the in jokes, the bird puns, <laughs> like 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 uh, Birdie works at Condé Nest magazine, like things like that, <laughs> like are like riddled throughout. It's really clever, um, and it's very um, I won't say feminist because I think almost every scene fails the Bechdel test, but it's very. Um, you know, female focused because the two leads are both female birds, you know, in quotes. Uh, I think it came under fire or Netflix did because they canceled it after one season. Um, And people are like, well, of course they did. It's about women, blah, blah, blah. I honestly think there was a limited story to tell and it hit the end of its natural story by the end of the first season about how these two women sort of reconcile themselves to their place in life. Um, and after a while, again, I had the same feeling I, I had with Bojack within the season, which is you're throwing buzzwords about issues like anxiety and the glass ceiling and things at me instead of weaving them more uh, organically into the plots. Um, for me, there's one other con, and that is I've sort of had enough of the Tiffany Haddish thing where she talks a mile a minute um, and just throws everything out there, balls to the wall. A little of that goes a very long way with me. Right. Um, so um, I was glad I saw it, and I would have, even if there were more seasons, I probably would have not kept watching. Right. Um, but I will say, I mean – however much money they're spending on these two shows you see it uh in in the animation it's it's got to be groundbreaking in some way it's definitely stunning to watch cool cool so so those are some things i'll throw one other thing out there before we go which is i caught and i never do this what is currently the number one thing streaming on netflix we have also watched which is in the the Tiger King, which is I have seven not episodes. watched that yet, and I want to. Yeah, we're going to hold off on that, because I think you do want to watch it, and we do want to talk about it more. But I'm just so happy to actually be a part of the thing while it's actually happening as a thing. Well, you know, I'm just going to throw out there, too. I saw one of the top tens on Netflix that's streaming. I saw Uncorked. Oh, oh, tell me about that. Oh, it was actually really wonderful. I mean, there were, you know, I could quibble. With the story, um, there were bits that I felt like um, could have been expanded upon in terms of this family relationship. I mean, the the gist of it is uh, Elijah, the our main character, he is uh, his dad owns a Memphis barbecue restaurant and um, wants his son to take over this family business. This business was started by his dad, um, but Elijah wants to become a master sommelier. Am I saying that right? Sommelier. Sommelier. Uh, The the wine captains. I mean, I guess it's in very fancy restaurants. You have somebody who is just a a wine guru um, who can, like, pick your wine for you. And they know, like, um, about vintages and grapes and what – and flavors and what it tastes like and what it goes with. I mean, like, wine is so complicated. It's like, you know, um, anyway – uh, you got to yeah. go get an education. So, um, so it's kind of like about this, 
this man who's got to sort of juggle, like going to school to do this wine thing that he wants to do, but then also dealing with his dad, who is like not exactly supportive of his son, you know, and it's never, it's never made clear exactly why there's sort of like hints dropped, like, oh, he, well, remember two years ago, he wanted to be a DJ and this boy doesn't know what he wants and he just needs to like, you know, focus and take over the family business. And, you know, and it's sort of, but it just kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it through, it was kind of throwaway, but I felt like, um, like it was, it was a bit too easy, I guess, to sort of like rag on this kid who, who, who just was trying to find himself and figure out what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, and I kind of felt like that was a slightly weak premise to sort of set the whole thing going. But you know what? Ultimately, like I said, it's a quibble because it was actually a gorgeous story. And, and his mom, who is played by uh, Nisi Nash, who is uh, yes. phenomenal. Um, she's kind of the one that was holding it together and supporting her son and his dreams and holding the family together. And um, and and so there's a bit of tragedy there because, I mean, spoiler alert, she, she actually had battled cancer and came through the other side. And then while Elijah is in Paris um, doing his sommelier thing, he, um, or, or, you know, training his, she, uh, the cancer comes back and she dies. And, and so he has to come back to Memphis to bury his mom. And, um, and he leaves the wine sort of behind and, uh, and, and sort of reconnects with his dad. And they have this sort of, this beautiful moment where his dad now has, is supporting his son with his dream and like goes with him to the exam and all this. And I'm not going to sort of like spoil, spoil it, but I will say that the ending was very much a surprise and it was something that I was not expecting them to do, um, in terms of like the happy ending. Right. Um, I, I figured it, they didn't wrap it up in a nice neat bow and, and I actually thought that that was really, really brave and, um, and felt truer to the story and these characters than if they did put a bow on it. Um, so anyway, I thought it was fun. It was funny. It was touching. There were moments where I was tearing up for sure. Oh, wow. The acting is again, phenomenal. Um, it's a terrific cast. It is a terrific cast. I mean, Courtney B. Vance, where have you been? Well, it's funny because you were like, yeah, his father disapproves and or, or whatever. And I'm like, well, of course, has Courtney B. Vance ever played a character who didn't disapprove of someone? <laughs> but where's he been? Where's Courtney been? I haven't seen him in ages. Well, I feel like he's done a bunch of stuff, but the most, the thing, most recent thing that I can remember is the People vs. O.J. Simpson, where he was Johnny Cocker. Oh, uh, I didn't watch that. Yeah, but I he's also that. the president of SAG, I believe. So he's extra busy right now. Oh, he's now. got other shit going on. Yeah. He's, well, anyway, he was in it, and I, you know, but, he's always been one of my favorite actors along I with think Angela. He's, and... I think he's terrific. Um, yeah, the two of them are an amazing couple, but the actor who plays the son, who is the main character, is an actor who I know a little bit, or at least that I've met through friends of his. He, they were all at the Yale School of Drama together, um, and I've seen him act on stage at Lincoln Center. Mamadou Ache is his name, and he's a wonderful he's actor. Phenomenal, he's really wonderful. Um, I didn't, I knew nothing about him. I didn't realize that he had the stage background. Yeah, and I'm starting to see him more and more in things. Um, mostly on TV, but I think this is really great. Um, and, and I imagine we'll continue 
to see him more and more. He he really is terrific. So I think I'm going to have to move this higher up on our list to, to try and get to. Yeah, move it up. I'd like, I'm curious what you think of it. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought that there was, um, the writing was, I thought, really terrific. Um, uh, Prentice Penny is the writer-director. Yes. Um, whose credits include Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, Scrubs, happy endings um insecure was one of his so you know he's got some really great credits i think this seems like it might be his first feature film um but it was uh it it was really well done oh good to know and that like was just dropped on friday wasn't it i think it was yeah it's it's brand new yeah i think it's brand new to yeah Yeah, it's brand new. So, so you know, I have to say, like, you know, the, the you know, Netflix has been a bit of a bummer lately. <laughs> you know, um, I I felt like the pat, like it, you know, it wasn't necessarily like when I would turn on my streaming, like my go to, like I would be on Hulu, I'd go to, you know, Prime. Like I I wasn't I wasn't really going to Netflix because I felt like the originals just weren't doing it. Um, but uh, I'm I'm cha- like it seems like they've dropped a whole lot of really great stuff lately, and so and just in time for this pandemic. Yeah, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just been like thank God for Netflix, you know. But it's true, and I've had the same feeling where I'm like, you know, it's just they're they're throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, and people are slaves to it. They'll, they'll watch whatever, but little of it has really compelled me. But now that I'm able to really look at it for for more than one or two hours a week, um, I'm finding some things that I'm really liking. Yeah. So, um, you know, so while we've been trapped in our homes, um, Netflix has been good to us. That's right. Uh, and we hope you're all finding ways to be good to you. Uh, take up some of our recommendations if you're looking for something to watch. Uh, find the comfort and find the joy wherever you can right now. Right. And be kind to each other, please. It's a, it's a, it's a nightmare out there. Yeah. Yeah. But we're here for you. If there's anything you guys want us to talk about, also do let us know on our Facebook page back on the block pod. Um, and if you have more free time, you can always take a trip over to iTunes and give us a five star rating. For holding your hands through this terrible time. Yes. Yes. We appreciate you guys um, and uh, just wish all of you very well right now. Yeah. So have a great week, everyone, um, and uh, enjoy, enjoy your TV watching. And we will see you guys again next week back on the block and back on Hollywood Boulevard. Bye. Bye. Stay safe.